brothers, sisters, friends. I don't know if you've noticed this as we've worked our way through the Elijah stories together, but Elijah had something special. He proclaims a drought over the land, and the rain stops. He prophesies that a jar of flour and a jug of oil don't run out, and they don't. He prays that a dead child will live, and he does. He asks God to set flame to an altar drenched in water, and fire roars down from heaven. He prays that the rain will return and the rain begins to fall again, etc., etc., etc. How did he do all these things? How did he so clearly and powerfully speak God's word and demonstrate God's word? Well, like I said, he had something very special. And that very special something is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just some background on that before we take a closer look at some of the details of this story. In Christianity, God is believed to be a trinity of three divine persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three are united and inseparable in a holy and perfect communion, yet each one is somehow also distinct. Each has a different role in God's kingdom, different jobs. The jobs of the Holy Spirit are many. The Holy Spirit works in the hearts of God's people to give new life. The Holy Spirit works in the hearts of God's people in order to sanctify us and make us more righteous. The Holy Spirit works among God's people as a group to establish and maintain unity around God's word. And the Holy Spirit comes upon God's people to empower us to accomplish his purposes. Now, this last one, the Spirit coming upon people for empowerment is what we see in the life of Elijah. He had been anointed with the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, when someone is anointed, it means that they have been set apart and given special power and special authority. This anointing by the Holy Spirit happens in the spiritual realm, where the Holy Spirit comes upon in a spiritual way, but often this anointing is symbolized in the physical, material world. Someone is anointed with oil, for example, as a concrete symbol that they have been set aside and given power and authority by the Holy Spirit to do God's work in a specific time, in a specific place, for a specific purpose. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God's Spirit coming upon certain people. This anointing was always reserved for a select few, and it was always for the purposes of proclaiming God's word, or protecting and preserving God's people, bringing them back to himself. Kings, 
Priests and prophets received this anointing of God's Spirit. Gideon, Samson, Samuel, Saul, David. Isaiah, one of the better-known prophets, said this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So Elijah had this, this special something, this anointing. And we see it in all the stories we've read. You should take some time today, actually, and reread them. They are really strange. And they're really spectacular. And today's passage is no different a little strange, and very spectacular. This passage marks the end of Elijah's time on earth. It is time for him to go, and he does. He certainly does. But what is so, so neat, and what I think we need to notice and take in today, is that although Elijah leaves, the anointing does not. Elijah's time on earth ends, but his ministry does not. It continues. Because it turns out it's not actually about Elijah's particular gifts, or his particular skill set, or his personality type at all. It's God's ministry, it's God's work, and that's accomplished through the empowering work of God's Spirit. Let's look closely at a few of these details. Elijah and Elisha get to the Jordan River. And Elijah has been wearing this cloak, this mantle. And this mantle has been an ongoing symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So they get to the shore of the river, and Elijah takes off his mantle, and he uh, strikes the water with it. I actually practiced that with my kids this morning. I think his mantle was maybe a little heavier. This does not, like, strike water very well, but you get the idea. So Elijah takes off his mantle, and he strikes the water with it. And the Holy Spirit opens the river so that they can walk through on dry ground to the other side. And I think it's just a lovely picture of the presence of the power of God on him. Elijah asks. He looks at Elisha. He asks. They know that the end is near. They're about to be parted. What can I give you before I go? It's sort of like a deathbed moment. That's sort of what this is. You know, they're having a heart-to-heart. Their last words. What can I give you before I go? And Elisha says, Could you give me a double portion of your spirit? He's asking for what a firstborn son would get from his dying father, actually. A large part of the inheritance. 
Elisha is not Elijah's biological son, but he has been his spiritual son, his disciple, his follower for a very long time. If you look at the, the timeline of the kings, they've maybe been together doing this for like 18 years, something like that. Anyway, he's saying, I want, I want that anointing that you have. But I don't just want it. I, like, I want a double portion of it. Elijah says, well, okay, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Elisha is not just asking for money that Elijah can hand over. Elijah can't just sign a will and assign Elisha a certain piece of the pie of his spiritual power. Elijah knows the truth. It's God's power. God gives. We wait on God. We'll see. Then all of a sudden, I really do love this part, a chariot of fire appears, and Elijah is taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. The appearing of this fiery chariot is so appropriate. All along, Elijah's anointing has been to engage in a spiritual battle, wielding the sword of God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again and again, confronting sin and evil and darkness, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the army of heaven, uses Elijah's words to reveal himself in power, enacting judgment and calling his people home back to himself. And in this moment, in this moment, we get a sweet glimpse of the Lord of the army himself, I think, the commander-in-chief swooping into the battle, finding his head soldier, whom he's so proud of, his main man, his most valiant, devoted fighter who has been giving it his all on the front lines, and he lifts him up and he carries him into his eternal rest. It reminds me of the song, I looked over the Jordan, and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. I mean, imagine being Elijah, old and weary, years in the fight. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. And to just take a minute here and just say some of you are in battle. God's soldiers loving and serving and proclaiming and praying, praying for wisdom, praying for strength, praying for power, wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
I know you're out there. And I want you to know this morning, not only that the Lord of hosts will win the battle, but one day the Lord of hosts, who is your Lord, is coming for you to give you your reward and your rest. Swing low, sweet chariot. So Elijah is gone. Elijah is gone. But, did you catch it? And all that fiery and whirlwindy burst, something remains behind. And after looking up in the sky for a few minutes, squinting in the sun, Elisha lowers his gaze and <gasps> sees it immediately. And he picks it up. And he wonders to himself, is God still here? Is the anointing still here? Does the ministry continue? Am I on my own? Or is God still here? And so, he picks it up, and he gives it a swing. The river opens again, and God invites Elisha to walk through into a new stage of ministry with him. As if that little moment, the parting of the river, wasn't enough, Elisha engages in two miraculous acts by the Holy Spirit's power immediately on his journey back into Jericho. One of profound healing and one of profound judgment, demonstrating that the ministry of God indeed continues. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me now to proclaim good news to the poor. And just an interesting tidbit, Elijah did eight miraculous signs that are recorded. Elisha ends up doing 16. Double. Double. Elijah had that special something. And now Elisha has that special something. He asked for the anointing, he received the anointing, and then he proceeded to exercise that anointing in faith. God's work continued. Friends, when Jesus arrived on the scene in the land of Israel centuries later, he went to the Jordan River too the same one where Elijah and Elisha were hanging out to get baptized. And when he went down, and when he came up again, it wasn't the waters that parted, but it was the sky. 
The Bible reports that, quoting, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Imagine it maybe like a mantle being dropped on Jesus from his Father in heaven. Not long after that, he stood in front of a crowd in a synagogue and described himself with these words. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, you know, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Like Elijah, Jesus did all this stuff that prophets anointed with God's Spirit do. He proclaimed God's word with power, convicting and instructing, challenging and encouraging, cursing and blessing. And he demonstrated God's word with power, healing diseases and casting out demons and doing miracles and serving with an unswerving commitment and love. Fighting, 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 engaging, engaging, engaging. But Jesus isn't just another prophet. Jesus is the prophet. And Jesus isn't just one more anointed one among many. He is the anointed one. This is why we call him Messiah, which is the Hebrew word meaning anointed. This is why we call him Christ, which is the Greek word meaning anointed. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Christ. What we're saying is Jesus, the anointed one, set apart for a purpose unlike any other, and given a power and an authority that no other had, has, or will have. Jesus did not just nudge people along a path back to God. Jesus did not just point people in the right direction. Jesus got that job done. He got that job done. Jesus didn't only preach judgment, he took judgment, satisfying the need for it once and for all. Jesus didn't only preach righteousness, He lived righteousness, fulfilled the righteous requirements of God's law, and he now freely credits that righteousness to those who confess him as their Savior and bind themselves to him in faith as their Lord. Jesus, the Anointed One, did what every other prophet before him could only do in part, bring God's people back into full and perfect communion with him. There's this amazing story in the New Testament where Elijah actually appears again. It's the story called the Transfiguration. The disciples see Jesus transfigured before him. Their spiritual eyes are opened. They see he's not just a man but that he is the anointed one, anointed, set aside, given a power and purpose like no other. And they see him on a mountain, like having a chat with Moses and Elijah, these two other greats before him who operated in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
And I just wonder what they talked about as they shook hands, encouraged each other, compared notes about the hard but good work of, of proclaiming God's word and demonstrating God's word. It's a special picture, a special picture of anointed ones and the anointed one. Imagine the conversation. Imagine the anticipation of what was about to happen. Jesus got it done. By his death and by his resurrection, he got it done. And we benefit. And as if that good news isn't good enough, let this blow your socks off, because it certainly does mine. Just as Elijah's anointing transferred onto Elisha, Jesus' anointing transfers on to us. Elijah's ministry on earth had to come to an end, and so did Jesus. But moments before that chariot swung low for him, he said to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you too will be my witnesses. You too. Just as Elisha, Elijah's disciple, would receive the Spirit, Jesus' disciples were to receive the Spirit. And in that way, the ministry of Jesus would continue even though he would be gone. And sure enough, sure enough, on the day of Pentecost, the sky parted again, and Jesus poured out his Spirit, setting his followers apart and cloaking them in his authority and power for God's work. Here I am, and here you are. Here you are. It's not just a story. It's now. It's not just them. It's us. It's the truth about how God works. It's the truth about how God gets his work done. Let me read you something that is just awesome from the Heidelberg Catechism, which is a teaching tool developed in Germany in the 1500s, kind of consolidating and summarizing the, the main truths of Christianity. From question and answer 31 and 32 come these words. Why is Jesus called Christ, meaning anointed. Because Jesus has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who fully reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our deliverance, our only high priest who has delivered us by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually pleads our cause with the Father, 
and our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the freedom he has won for us. That's why we call him anointed one, Jesus, the Christ, our Christ. And then the next one. But why then are you called a Christian? A Christian, a little Christ. Because by faith, I am a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. I do. We do. We are little anointed ones, little Christs. That's your very name, Christian anointed ones, following after the anointed one. By faith, I'm a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. I am anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, and to strive with a free conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and then afterward, woo, to reign with Christ, because we share in his anointing over all creation, for eternity. Do you know who you are? You are an anointed one. Do you know what you have? You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the mantle of the anointing of God's Spirit rests on you, you have got that something special. You. You are in your house wearing this. You're walking your neighborhood wearing this. You're meeting a friend for coffee wearing this. You're having someone in for dinner wearing this. You're at work wearing this, interacting with colleagues, wearing this, typing reports, wearing this, hanging out in the lunchroom, wearing this, you're sitting in class, wearing this, you're walking the halls, wearing this, you're roaming around campus, wearing this, you're parenting your kids, wearing this, you're leading a Bible study, wearing this, you're praying for your friends, you're praying for your church, you're praying for the world, Wearing this, set apart, given authority, empowered to proclaim God's word, and empowered to demonstrate God's word. It is so exciting to think of all of us spread out by God into our own different realms in our city, clothed in power as we go about our business, and may it be God's business. It is so exciting to think of God's people throughout the world going about their lives clothed in his power for his work. Elijah shared his anointing with Elisha, and Jesus Christ has shared his anointing with you. Who needs to hear God's word? Who needs to see God's word? 
Where does God's work need to be done? Where is he calling you? Don't be afraid. Walk forward in faith. Walk forward in his power. Because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you now. The Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. In conclusion, we are together going to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Because we've got work to do, people. We've got work to do. His word needs to be proclaimed. His word needs to be demonstrated. God's people need to be invited back. God's people need to be invited in. And just as Elisha asked for a portion of Elijah's spirit, so the believers in the New Testament model for us that they asked Jesus to send his spirit upon them when they had a particular need for his power. And so we're going to ask him today. We're going to ask him today. And as we do so, I want you to hear this promise spoken by our Lord Jesus himself. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. I'm going to pray with these words, and then we will sing our prayer together. Father in heaven, we thank you for all that you have given us in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of our sins, the free gift of the righteousness that he lived, healing, freedom, hope, and a place of belonging as a child in your family that will last for eternity. We also thank you today for the gift of the anointing of your spirit, which gives us strength and joy and power to accomplish your work in your world. You are a good father, Lord and we come to you as your children now. Fill us with faith, fill us with hope, and as we pray now for you to anoint us again, or maybe for the first time, we ask that you hear us and that you answer our prayer.